You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions, and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is Lauren Howard, serial entrepreneur and founder of Prime Plus Mortgages in Scottsdale, Arizona. Now, Lauren has also built and scaled pharmacies, lead generation marketing companies, real estate development and acquisition companies on top of it all. So my goodness, Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate it, Lauren. Thanks for having me. Now, given all that you have done, not just with mortgages, but in particular, it seems like you've built companies in so many industries that people might say appear unrelated to each other. But what's a common thread with regard to the communication skills that you have needed to hone that has taken you consistently through all of these different developments and all these different industries and companies? You know, I think I've invested a lot of time in some key employees and coaching them and bringing them along the way and, and, and helping them increase their skill sets when they followed me from company to company. And really, so we've been working together. And I think taking the time to invest into them and to help them grow has been very transformative for my ability to shift from one industry to the next. And given the fact that you've started a lot of these companies from scratch, obviously you're starting them with a very small handful of people and then building out your your staff, your employees, et cetera. And so it sounds like the development of your people is something that has to start from the very beginning. It's not that you wait until you've got a nice big company and then start to think about how to develop your people. It's something that needs to happen from the seed stage. Is that correct? 100%. And we have a core team of four or five of us that go from company to company and we start with that foundation and it's been that way for you know, 10, 12 years. And uh, yeah, you need to invest in your people from day one because that's your most valuable asset. Sure. And in doing that, what's the biggest communication challenge that you or perhaps they are facing today or that you have noticed as a trend with all these different organizations? We do a lot of outsourcing. And so a lot of times I think it's hard to find talent when you outsource and to get them on the same page as you. Uh, I would probably say that the outsourcing component would be the biggest challenge from a communication perspective. Why? You know, because you're dealing with different time zones and you're dealing with different people and you have to really, to find a high quality person, say in the Philippines or other places, it takes a long time of weeding through and and interviewing and, you know, then there's excuses here. It's it's just a challenge. But when you do find one that's really, really good, one, they're way more cost effective and super smart and, and super driven, but trying to find them, it's a little bit like diamond in the rough searching, I would say. Sure. And I think hiring in general, whether you're hiring somebody who's in your very same zip code or hiring somebody from the other side of the planet, quite literally, is always a challenge. There are things you always have to look for, but just add an extra layer or 12 layers of complexity when there is the time zone difference and the cultural differences and all of that on top of it. What do you think has been the most challenging part of finding good talent overseas to help build foundational companies? I would say reliability, you know, finding someone you think is good and then them not showing up and different excuses. I mean, I can't tell you how many times their grandma's got sick. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And so, yeah, I would say that the reliability aspect would be um, probably the most difficult. But then when you find someone, much like hiring somebody in person, when you find the right person, it's an amazing fit, isn't it? 
Oh, it's amazing. And, and, uh, you know, like I've had, you know, my main guy been with me for 11 years. He lives in India and runs pretty, he's been running with me since my first business. And, you know, he does everything. He's a, he's a ninja, you know, he's like, he's like a, like a family member, but also like a, you know, he's, he's amazing. I'm in the same boat. I've had a couple of people working for me out in the Philippines, uh, one who's there right now and one who was with me for at least two or three years. And just they are, I mean, I say they, I mean, my specific people, not like, well, people from the Philippines in general, you know, we're not generalizing by country. It's just, you know, you find the person who's the perfect fit for your organization. And it's it's amazing that you can do that, even when there's 10,000 miles between you. I think there's a stigma people that people don't really understand it. Well, these people are super smart, super talented, super educated, super hardworking. But because someone can't visualize or hasn't dealt with it before and, and worked with them before overseas, they don't really understand it. It's kind of like a you know a black box for them. What is this? Right. And then once you once you find a quality person and, and and train them and onboard them and and they stick with you, then you all of a sudden you realize, wow, this you can get this done for like one tenth of the cost. Well, and I liked having somebody in a different time zone night to day, quite literally for me, just because there's always somebody who is on yep. at that point. So there's always somebody who's who's monitoring the store, as it were. And, and all of our outsourced employees work in our, my time zone, which that's another issue as well. That's what I meant with the time mm-hmm. zone issues is because we're trying to find someone who is used to working in the middle of the night, right? And then sure. sleeping in the day, which is how my, my main guy, Garnett, has done it for 11 years. And so, you know finding someone who's used to that schedule and is reliable and has the skill set and all of those things has been a little bit of a, a challenge. But when you find them, they're worth their weight in gold, you know? Absolutely. And in building all these companies, aside from finding good contractors, good employees, good people to build your team, what's been one big communication-related mistake that you've made in that learning curve? Yeah, I had a compounding pharmacy where I had about 170 employees at one point in time. And, and um and one of the mistakes I made is uh, two of my recruiters were kind of in a little bit of a, a dispute about something. Um, and it was a high pressure industry, right? Highly regulated. We were growing so fast. And, you know, I kind of had lost my patience and temper with the argument and kind of barked out at one of them and hurt their feelings. Uh, and I think in hindsight, the lesson there would be, you know, never react in emotion. Mm-hmm. Like always stop, take a breath analyze the situation because nothing's good is going to come out of anger. And my, I guess my next lesson would be, be the first to apologize and apologize fast. Mm. Swallow your pride because that goes a long way. And, and um, you know, everyone gets upset from time to time, but not everyone apologizes or apologizes right away. People want to, they don't want to swallow their pride. They're stubborn. And that goes without any relationship, whether it be business or, or, or personal, you know, apologize fast and then often, and, and then also, uh, you know, maintain your composure. Sure. So with the with that particular example, at that moment that you were in that conversation, you realized you'd bitten somebody's head off or otherwise been indelicate in your in your words. Did you have a chance to apologize or is this something you realize now that you should have done at the time? No, I, I apologize right away. I, you know, I, I kind of learned that skill set a long time ago. And uh, I think, it, you know, it meant a lot. You know, I feel like we all kind of know when we're wrong immediately when we're wrong. It's just a matter of sure. whether we justify it to ourselves or whether we try to brush it under the rug and, mm. and think it's no big deal or whether we have the courage to recognize and realize that we're wrong and be able to express that through apology. I love the fact that a a friend of mine several years ago drew the line of distinction between humiliation and humility and said that the difference is that humiliation strips away dignity, but humility restores it. 100%. I love that. Yeah. And I think that's really critical to recognize when you do something like 
lose your patience with somebody and and speak to them disrespectfully or embarrass them or something like that. You've just really stripped away dignity for both of you. And by having the humility to step back and own that and apologize for it and whatnot, that restores it for you and for them. It's it's not showing weakness. It's really showing a sign of strength of the best kind. 100%. Yeah. And I think that people get that wrong because they think vulnerability is weakness. And I think vulnerability is being having the strength to be able to be vulnerable because you need strength to be able to be vulnerable, right? Sure. And to lead by example. You know, how can you expect people to be honest and and be humble and a little vulnerable with you if you won't lead by example when you're at the top? Exactly. Exactly. Well, I run a charity as well. And when we do our, our networking and try to get people to open up, we always have the board members go first and have them go deep. And, uh, you know, when they go deep, it sets a tone for everyone else to be open up and be vulnerable. And I think it's valuable. Terrific. I think it's words of wisdom for everybody to live by, both in work, at home, anywhere else for that matter. Then what's the next big goal for you? Uh, Like for business-wise? For the company, for the organization, for you professionally? Is there another company in your future or sticking with the mortgages for now? You know, the mortgage business right now is a good business. It's really strong cash flow for me personally, you know, building my private equity portfolio. We're, we're doing some trading. So we kind of have different buckets going on. You know, I have an 18 month old and a, and a pregnant wife and, and I've been an entrepreneur organization for seven years. And so I've been able to be around a lot of wisdom in, in my forum. And I recognize and realize how a lot of regrets through my forum have been not having the time sure. to, uh, to spend with their kids and watch their kids grow. So I think for me, Time is probably one of my most valuable commodities right now. And I think it's going to become more and more valuable as my children start to age. And so I think that, you know, smart investing, continuing to, you know, grow the company uh, organically on its route, but also maintain, you know, my time and my lifestyle, knowing that these kids aren't going to be kids forever. He's only 18 months old and my wife's due in August. And so, you know, I want to be a present dad. I want to be able to be there for them. I want to drop them off to school, pick them up. And, and uh, I think that's going to be pretty meaningful for their upbringing and, and for me as well. Yeah, I think that it's so important to build that intentionality into your work life, your work style, your work culture, and to the business structure for that matter, because that the mythical work-life balance is something that everyone talks about, everyone strives for, everybody basically acknowledges is not possible to have balance, quote unquote, but how do you integrate them? That certainly was something that from the time that I decided to hang out my own shingle was an intention as well. I wanted to create something where I would have the flexibility at least to be able to lead both hemispheres of, of life, the work and the and the personal, and be mom and be wife. Of course, neither of those were in the picture at the time back when I first launched out on my own, but I'm very glad that I had built that structure in proactively so that when those roles did become part of my life, that I was able to roll into it. And it's I think it's great to hear a man doing the same thing and building his life and building his businesses in a way to allow for that. Because then that also, to me, indicates the kind of boss that you will also be and what you will, tell me if I'm wrong, but the kinds of balance and integration that you would expect your people to be able to take advantage of as well. 100%. Yeah. Everyone knows that and knows my heart and, and now I you know, just how I am. You know, I think that that's a little bit my ethos and I think people gravitate towards that. And that's why I think I've been able to develop and also bring, you know, some of my key employees along with me because, you know, the integrity is through and through, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Lauren, this brings us to the Listener 24-Hour Influence Challenge. And this is an opportunity for you to talk directly to our listeners and challenge them to take one step that they can complete within 24 hours so that they can have more influence. How would you like to challenge our listeners today? I would say go and buy the book uh, Influence. I believe Robert 
Chelvini, I'm probably butchering his name, but Cialdini, you know, Cialdini, sure. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and start to read it. You know, just get through ten pages of it. I think getting in motion is inertia, and hopefully that if you're not always already a reader and an avid knowledge gainer, that uh, that might spark your journey. Because I've never met a successful person that is not thirsty for knowledge, continually reading, listening, learning. Yes, growing. I'm a big fan of his work, again, Robert or Bob Cialdini, and books like Influence and Persuasion and those kinds of, yeah, 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 big fan as well. So even if you just order them, that's an easy one. Just click and go and it'll show up on your doorstep in, you know, 48 hours or so. And hopefully then crack that book and get through the first couple of pages. I, I couldn't agree more. Great reference. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. All right. Well, this brings us to looking at how you lead your people. And we've already really talked quite a bit about that, which I love that it's it's so integrated. When you think about things like executive presence, otherwise known as leadership presence, command presence, that it factor that just lets you know that that person's a leader. What does that look like to you? How do you recognize it or evaluate it in others? You know, I would say there's probably three buckets that I look for. One, obviously, would be experience and, and competence, right? They need to know and be an expert or, or close to what they're doing. I believe that breeds confidence. And I believe the third bucket is integrity. People need to trust you and know that you're going to do what you say you do. And I think when all those three things meet, you're going to have a very strong leadership presence individual. And I think along with that, when you're looking for it, how would you recognize that in an interview when you're looking to hire somebody either locally and in person, domestic, or we talked a lot about international outsourcing. How would you how would you look for those things? So we we follow the Jeff Smart, uh, the Who process, and I, I recommend every one of your readers who are trying to become executives or get you know, raises or advance in their career, read that book because a lot of corporations follow it. It's kind of the gold standard for hiring. And say it again. What was the title of that book? It's called The Who by Jeff Smart. Okay. He's Jeff Smart. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the gold standard for, for hiring and a lot of corporations use it. So one, you'll get an inside look at what they're looking for. And two, in that process, they have a very good reference check and they ask really good questions. And the questions that they ask Pretty much what it goes through is their work history, and they ask the same questions about each one of the jobs, and they're very tough questions, and you can see patterns, right? And so I think the next question is going to be one of the things I I look for that's an automatic red flag, and that is it's finger pointing. Mm. That is their fault, their fault, their fault. Oh, this person did this. This boss was an asshole. This this guy did this, or this colleague was this, right? And then all of a sudden, what they're doing is they're trying to deflect accountability, which shows me that they're not going to have accountability themselves or personal accountability, and that's an immediate like, "Eh -eh." Sure. Look, if people can't, we understand no relationship is perfect and no boss is perfect and no job is perfect. But if you're just going to blame everything on somebody else and be the victim, then. Exactly. And you'll see a pattern too, because the way that they ask the questions you ask about every single one of their jobs on their, on their resume, right? Mm. So you start to see a pattern. They can't escape it. They'll start talking, you ask questions, they'll talk. And then, and then the reference check portion is, is amazing as well, because as you go through the interview process, you ask about their bosses and their colleagues and their coworkers, and then you ask them as a reference, okay, when I call this person, what are they going to say about you, right? Mm. Now they can't just handpick their own references themselves, like their brother who they said they worked for, you know, and then you have a, the same process of references. So it's when you follow that process, like I said, is the gold standard, and it's very hard to be able to hide from, from who you really are, and that's kind of what it's made for, so... And that's a really interesting question to ask somebody is if when I call this reference, what are they going to say? Exactly. What do you anticipate they're going to say? So, of course, then the 
a good chance that they're going to hang up with you and call that person and say, by the way, if this guy calls you to be a reference for me, you know, drop this line, would you? Well, the cool thing is you go through there. Oh, who is your boss? Okay, cool. When we talk to your boss there, what are they going to say about you? Mm. So you don't even allow them to pick the reference. You pretty much pick their references for them. Right. Um, and then, you know, if they have an issue with the talking to them, then, oh, well, now the truth comes out. Well, why do you have an issue with us calling that person, right? Right, right. Okay, so everybody out there, if you are thinking about at some point down the line, interviewing for a, another opportunity, be mindful of how you address these elements and whose names you give, et cetera, because you don't want to be caught in something that uh, you're going to need to qualify afterwards, right? You want to tee that up well. I think the best solution is be honest. And if and if your honest version of you isn't someone that, that someone want to hire, then you need to look inside and, and work on whatever qualities bubble to the top when you ask yourself that question that you need to work on is where you need to focus your energy. Yes, yes. And speaking of focusing energy, when your teams in the past, be it for the, the pharmacy or with mortgages or with whatever other many of the teams that you've run, when your people are bringing an idea to you, they want to pitch a concept to you, pitch a project. Give me a time when they brought something to you and it just did not go well. And you just sent them back to the drawing board and said, nope, if you're going to bring this, don't come back until you've done X, Y, Z. What should they have done differently? Yeah, good question. So my whole pet peeve is I don't like like people bringing me like a concept. Oh, this would be a great idea. Well, why? You know, so I've been a strategic coach for a couple of years. I don't know if you're familiar with Dan Sullivan and his program, but I make people put together, if they have an idea, okay, go do an impact filter, bring it to me. Let's review this impact filter. If you want to do that, go do a strategy circle, bring it to me. You know, you go over the obstacles. That way we kind of have a game plan. Ideas are great, but if they're just pie in the sky and fluff, then you're wasting my time. Use some tools to, to bring an execution plan for what you're doing and be prepared, right? Like don't just fly by the seat of your pants on any crazy good idea you think that you have. You know, if you want to get the boss's attention, put it into structure, put it into a game plan, have an execution plan, uh, forecast obstacles, how you can overcome them, you know, all of those things so that, oh, that makes sense to me as opposed to, hey, I got this idea. That bugs me. Well, this brings us then to the speed round. And these are three topics that regularly arise in my coaching and training with clients where people tend to think of them as black and white issues. And they're concepts that people often get stuck on, mentally stuck, a little head trash, et cetera. And we want to disabuse people of these ideas or the idea that it's going to hold them back and that they're the only ones who struggle with that because that's something that I hear a lot too. Oh, I'm the only one who struggles with this or it's so hard for me, but so easy for everybody else. Rarely the case. So first, in a single word or phrase, tell me public speaking, love it or hate it? Uh, don't prefer it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So not quite in hate, but definitely not in the love, stronger yeah, on the yeah, other side. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but And yet you're very comfortable here on the podcast. So to some extent, in, in certain contexts, that it's clearly not something that you shy away from or at least run from. So what's something, what's a tip that you can share with everybody about how to speak with confidence, even when you don't necessarily feel it? Practice and educate and make sure you're speaking about something that you know and understand well. I think that's anything that, that you try to tackle in life or in business would be practice and education and then speak about something that you really understand and that you practice so that you come off confident. Right. And that comes right back to that topic of confidence again, not to the extent of arrogance, but you got to be able to project the confidence one way or another. I know what you're talking about. Yes. Yes. And with that, do you consider yourself more of an introvert or an extrovert? Uh, definitely an extrovert. Okay. And as an extrovert, what's one of your personal inherent strengths and what's an area that you need to work on still? Personal inherent strengths is 
I feel like I'm a very likable person. I'm able to bond with people on a deeper level very quickly. And uh, it's done me well throughout my life because I can get to deeper, more intimate, trusting relationships very quickly. And people sense it as something that's genuine. It's not faking. It just comes, I think, is something I was probably you know, kind of born with. Okay. And the area for growth? I need to be tentative to people that aren't super extroverted because I can tend to be hog attention or domineering sometimes in conversations, not letting people finish, interrupting, not you know being aware of my eagerness to talk or respond. Um, you know, those are those are things that I continue to work on that can be, I'm sure, frustrating for other people sometimes. Sure. I'm right there in that bucket with you. And finally, as far as conflict is concerned, no one likes it. But is your natural DNA hardwiring to want to avoid it at all costs or want to dive in and just fix it right away? Dive in and fix it right away by far. But what I've learned is that you can only do that with a level head. And so before I try to dive in and fix anything, try not to do it in an emotional state, right? Anger, frustration, fear, anxiety, all of those things. So how do you do that? How do you, when you feel like the adrenaline kicks in and how do you take that step back? Pause and breathe. You need to have an anchor inside of you when you realize that that's going on, that you can feel and, and, and it'll trigger you to realize, stop, breathe, slow down, analyze. Let me figure out how I really feel about this, not be overwhelmed by what I think I feel and burn this thing down. And then when you have, you know, your wits about you and you've been able to look at the situation and ask yourself, do I really care about this? And now what's the real conflict here? How can I address this and, and get to where I need to be with this from a level head? But, you know, I don't know anything that's ever been accomplished successfully out of anger, right? Sure. Like, you know. Yeah. I always say, don't let, don't let your emotions drive the bus. hundred <laughs> percent. If you that bus is going off a cliff, if you do. <laughs> Very nice. Well, we want to stay away from cliffs. We want everything to be just a nice uphill climb for success, of course. That's terrific. Lauren, how can people learn more about you and your many organizations? LLHdevelopmentrealestate.com, primeplushardmoney.com. You can look me on Facebook. I actually have a couple of world records in indoor rowing if they want to go watch some of my oh, indoor, very cool. indoor rowing videos. <laughs> they can Google me. I don't know. Um, email me, Lauren at LLH realestate.com. That's L-O-R-E-N at L-L-H realestate.com. I love interacting with people, helping people out, answering questions. You know, I'm, I'm a very easy guy to, to get a hold of and to, uh, and to respond to. So feel free. That's great. And we'll put all those in the show notes. So if you didn't have a chance to jot those down as quickly as you rattled them off, then just take a quick look and they'll be, we'll make sure they're all correctly spelled, URLs and all. So that's terrific. Lauren, once again, thank you so much for joining us today. Laura, I had a pleasure. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me on and uh, hopefully I was able to add a little value. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had a great time and I'm sure everybody else did too. So for those of you out there listening, thank you as always for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes so we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my quick start guide to mastering the three C's, command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal.
Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for readers who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.